Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell. That is Kurt Souter. And we are a show for men by men talking about stuff from a man's perspective. We love having the ladies listen, but we know who our audience, who we're shooting for, <laughs> whether they're listening or not, we don't know. But we want to talk to men. And we believe that there's a plenty out there for men to listen to in our life, whether it's talk radio, radio, TV, phones. We can talk about sports, politics, and weather all day. And that's fine. But we need to talk about the things that live into eternity. And that is, are you or are you not walking with God through Jesus Christ? And so that is the most important aspect of you being a man. And greater men than me have passed away but not knowing the Lord Jesus is the most important thing you will do or not do while you're on this earth. So that being said, Solid Steps was born out of solid steps, taking steps in your walk with God. And we tell the story that God is writing in men's lives and we got a doozy today. So if you if you say, man, if you know anyone who's ever been through adoption, foster adoption, uh, foster care adoption, any type of adoption, you know what an absolute grind that is, whether you've been through it or know someone who's been through it. But today, imagine it happened times two within a certain time frame and all the nuances of birth mom in their life, birth mom out of their life, uh, back in their life. And oh, by the way, here's another one. And oh, by the way, one of them has a mass on their kidney. And all of these things happening within a 10 year period, in essence. So we're going to talk today about a gentleman who has walked through that and is still walking through that with his family. So, Dennis, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Man, it's, uh, it's great to have you. And so, uh, yeah, Chad, uh, a doozy. What did you call it? A doozy? We got a doozy today. We got a doozy. <laughs> yeah, because, um, I, you know, Dennis, uh, you know, you became a dad uh, how many years ago? 28 years ago. 28 years ago. You got how many biological kids you've got? Four. You got four biological kids. Mm -hmm. what, what are the ages now? Uh, 28, 26, 22, and 20. Nice. It's a nice flow. <laughs> we got, you know, two pairs of two. <laughs> and uh, so you got all these kids yep. and uh, you're going on with life. Yep. And, uh, and your wife comes to you one day and she says what i came home well, from is, just you know isn't it crazy sometimes what our wives can come to us and say oh listen she <laughs> yes a lot yes well i came home from work i you know i was i was working i was a healthcare executive and uh, she had been homeschooled she homeschooled our kids so I came home and she said, hey, you know, the kids and I, we were studying the book of James, memorizing actually the book of James and um, talking about the scripture verse where it talks about uh, taking care of widows and orphans, right? And she said, I think we should adopt. And I looked at her and I said, I don't. What else you want to talk about? And that was literally the conversation. You said... I'm I don't. Out. No, this is out. Right. It's not even. It's not even a blip on the radar. Not even a thought. Look, we we already had four kids, so we had doubled the American average, right? So, and and the youngest at that point was eight years old, and I was just beginning to get to the point of going. I can see where this empty nest thing, where that could be an advantage. Mm. And I can start to see where that's going to, you know, that's on the horizon. So no, it was not even. A, th a brief thought in my mind. So, so uh, 
when, when you said that, what did Lori say? My wife is the most humble, gentle, loving spirit. She didn't say anything, at least not to me. I found out later she said some stuff, but um, she said some stuff to God, and she and God had an ongoing conversation. But to me, she didn't say anything. So, um, so there was a conspiracy against you. Oh, totally. <laughs> you, you, you were telling me before, the, uh, before we even started out, she went over your head. Absolutely. Um, so, so three years go by, right? This conversation where I come home from work, say, hey, I think we should adopt. I said, not interested. That was in 2008. Three years go by, and we literally never talk about it. It's never brought up. It's never mentioned. It's a non-conversation. Did you think she would bring it up again? Mm-mm. Well, I, I don't know because I, I, it just, again, was not on my radar at all. So I wasn't thinking about it and wasn't thinking whether she was thinking about it. I, it just was a non-issue to me. Like, I said no, not interested. Oh, okay. We're, That's we're it. on to the, you know, uh, the living next... life and dealing with all the other stuff. That's right. So that, so then what happens? So three years, you have no conversation whatsoever. None. And your wife challenged you to do something. Yeah. So we were involved in a, in a class at church, a DC class, um, a real intense Bible study class. I think you might know a little something about that. <laughs> and she was leading a women's group and I was in a men's group. Well, her her ladies group decided they were going to do something called the Daniel Fast, 21 days where basically you just um, eat fruits and nuts and that's about it. Well, the issue is I, I never learned how to cook. I, I mean, I can do macaroni and cheese and soup and sandwich. That's about it. So she tells me, hey, my ladies group, we're going to do this Daniel Fast. So I'm not cooking dinner for the next 21 days you might want to think about doing the Daniel fast with me. (laughs) (laughs) Man, you talk, this, this lady's got some, uh, some guts. She knows how to control the situation. (laughs) So I I said, well, I guess I'm doing the Daniel fast. So for the next 21 days, nothing but, you know, fruits and nuts. And and the idea of the fast is you spend that time really in prayer, right? And so I did, I spent a lot more time in prayer and uh, two different times while I was praying, God spoke to me just as clear as you and I are talking to each other. It was one word. It was the same word both times. And the word was adoption. I mean, I just heard in my head as as clearly as, as I can possibly try to describe to you the it word was, adoption. It, no, it wasn't audible. No, it wasn't audible. It was just in my head. But just but, in your mind. But it was You adoption. sensed God was saying adoption. Now, the fir- when it happened the first time, what what was going through your mind? Uh, you know, initially it was like, whoa, where did that come from? <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here praying about whatever it was I was praying about. Then all of a sudden, just this word just, you know, comes flooding into my mind, adoption. I'm thinking, well, that was weird. Uh, I don't know where that came from, but okay. We'll just keep praying and move on. But then when it happened the second time, again, same type of thing. I'm praying. I'm not, I'm not praying about adoption at all. I'm just praying. And, and the word hits my mind. And then it's like, okay, th- this is God. And when it happened that second time, I remembered the conversation from three years earlier. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Holy Spirit's doing a little whispering <laughs> oh, in your ear. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so the Daniel fast ends. And my wife says, so did God speak to you? And I said, yes. And she said, well, what did he say? And I said, I'm not telling. 
She said, what do you mean you're not telling? I said, I know where this is going to go, so I'm not telling. She goes, you, you can't not tell me. You have to tell me what's going on. And I said, okay, you know, two different times, one word, same word. And the word was adoption. She starts crying. She gives me a big hug. And she says, every day for the last three years, I have prayed for God to change your heart about adopting. And I promised God that I would never bring it up to you. And I would, as a sign from him to me that he had changed your heart, that you would bring it up to me. She's going to remain quiet. She's going to let God speak to you. Yes. And pretty soon you do this fast. Yes. God speaks. Yes. And, and what, what's going through your mind as she starts to cry and, and shares this information with you? Well, when she tells me that she's been praying every day for three years, I said, <laughs> that's not fair. You went over my head. <laughs> <laughs> but then the next thought Lord, was... I, I, you, you, have tr- you have trumped no, over me. <laughs> not even close. Yeah, you're like, you she went, went, you went to the all box, the way right? to the top. You know, you didn't go just halfway to the top. You went all the way to the top. Um, and then it's like, okay, but... But God has changed my heart. I mean, in that instant, I I knew what I had heard from God. I knew her heart was already there. God spoke to me. So now it's like, okay, well, we have to be obedient. So what is that? What do we do? How do we go about adopting? So you begin to kind of begin to do some research. Mm-hmm. How that how that look? Yeah. So we we yeah we talked to some you know we knew friends that had adopted uh, internationally, some domestically. We went to um, Orphan Care Alliance had put was putting on a, a seminar where they had different agencies that you could talk to. So we went and, and went to that seminar and talked to the different agencies. And you know the whole time we're praying, saying, "Okay, God, we're 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 going to be obedient. We're going to go down this path, but we don't know what this looks like, right? There's there's all kinds of different options." So went to that, that none of that felt like that's what God was calling us to do. And then a couple of weeks later, um, the state was sponsoring an information session about foster care. So we go to this session and I'll never forget the, the lady from the state stands up and she goes, this is the state of Kentucky and we are a foster care system. The first thing you need to know is we are not an adoption agency. And I said, and, and then she paused and then she goes, but if you're going to be a foster parent, most of these kids need to be adopted. So you need to be ready to adopt. <laughs> I think that's funny, but we need to take a break here. So we're going to take a break. If you're, if you're tired from hearing that first segment of like, wow, what, what a, a the ball moving down the field, stick around for the next three segments. Cause you're going to be blessed by hearing this story. So we're going to take a break and come back and hear more about the story that God is writing. And by the way, if you are you are an orphan, if you've never been adopted by the Lord, so we pray that you will hear the heart of the Father through this story. So we're going to take a break. Be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Satter. We're here with our friend Dennis Brooks talking about the story that God has been writing in the life of the Brooks family. Adoption, more adoption, cancer. It's just one of those things that Hang in there. If you don't hear the first segment, uh, go to Facebook or SoundCloud iTunes and you can hear all of our show. Thanks to our great sponsors like LNN Credit Union. They're a local lender in the Louisville, Kentucky area. Private, commercial, checking, savings, you name it. They got it. They can do a loan for you. LNN Credit Union. And then Vision First Eye Care. If you need glasses or contacts, you are more than just a set of eyes to them. You are a person. Vision First Eye Care, and also Bright Star Home Care. If you have a loved one you know who needs to be in care, whether it's one day a week or 24-7 care, and they need to stay in their home and you need to help them out, 
Bright Star Home Care can take care of you. You know, as you were talking there, I was just, I was thinking, he's got six kids. I got six kids. We got 18 kids represented <laughs> in this room right now. And uh, so, so Dennis, you know, you got it impresses upon you and your wife, you're going to adopt. Um, right. But before that, you're, you're, you're going to kind of move into the foster yep. world. Yep. Talk to us about that and how you got your first little one, not adopted, but in, you know, fostering. Sure. Yeah. So when we had gone to the foster session, you know, my wife and I, we're from here. We both grew up in Louisville. And so this is, this is home, right? Family's here. We live here. And, and we saw in that presentation, hey, there's a need right here in our own hometown. So that's, we need to do something here. So we were like, all right, we're signing up. So we signed up for, for foster care. You have to go through training. It took about a year to get through all the training and the background checks and all the different things that you do. And it was fine. It was, you know, it's no big deal. So we go through all of that and um, we get to uh, 2013, right? The beginning of 2013. And one day my wife gets a call and the lady on the other end of the line says, Hey, we have a placement for you. Will you take this little girl? And so my wife hangs up. She, she says, oh, let me talk to my husband. So she calls me. She goes, we got a call. We got a call. We got a placement. Do, what, do, what do we do? And I said, well, we say yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, isn't this what we signed up for? So yeah, the answer is yes. So a um, couple of days later, uh, we go and we pick up this little three month old little baby girl named Treasure. And my wife told me later, she said, when, uh, so we were picking her up from another foster home. So the other foster mom brought Treasure over to my wife, Lori, puts treasure in Lori's arms. And Lori told me later, the second that she put treasure in my arms, it felt the exact same way as the first time the four biological children were put in my arms for the first mm. time. I mean, there was just this instant bonding of, of mommy daughter. Um, so yeah, so we got little treasure and we, we thought, okay, God, we've, you know, now, it's foster. We don't know if it's going to go to adoption, but we had been told, hey, this one's probably going to go toward adoption. And, and we were like, all right, good. We, we've been obedient. We answered the call. Let's, let's just start living life. <laughs> and we do. And, and for 15 months, we're raising this beautiful little girl. And just now, I had to relearn how to, to uh, change a diaper, right? Because it had been a long time since I'd done well, a diaper. Well, you can't cook. You better be able to do something around the house. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Make yourself, exactly. Make yourself useful. <laughs> I can take out the trash. Um, so we, so we're, we're just, everything is great. My, my four older kids, they just like, you know, they're, they got a new little sister and everything is just wonderful. How old are they at the time? Uh, the youngest was 11 and the oldest was, I think, 19, okay. 19 or 20. Um, so treasure comes in, we're just, now we're a family of, of five kids instead of four kids. And, but things start progressing and, and through the foster system, visits start happening with, with the biological uh, dad in particular. Um, and long story short, uh, ultimately after 15 months, the judge decides that treasure is going to be returned to the biological dad. Um, we we stood up in court actually and supported that we had we had been praying with him and just we didn't understand w where this was going and and why this was happening but we trusted that God was in charge and and leading this so we okay um, and thought we were going to be able to stay in contact with her even now, after she was returned now when when you realize that she's going to go back to her biological dad what was going on emotionally. We were confused. I mean, it was like, 
uh, I, mean, I mean, for 15 months, that was my little girl. I'm she's daddy. Ca- she's calling you daddy. Absolutely. She's calling me daddy. Uh, so it was hard. I mean, I, I don't want to pretend like it was, oh, we just handed her back and we walked away. No. I mean, we cried. We prayed. We asked everybody we knew to pray, you know, mm. uh, if there's another if there's another way, can there be another way, God? Um, but ultimately, when the decision was made, hey, she's going to be returned, we were like, well, I, we don't understand. It hurts like a hurt I've never hurt before in my life. It hurt. But we got to just, I don't know. I don't know what to do. All I, I, all I can do is we have to obey what we've been told to do. Um, and I know God called us to adoption. So I'm just really confused. Mm, yeah. So yeah. she leaves. So she leaves. We are heartbroken. Oh, because, because then what happens? Yeah. So we were going to stay involved. Um, but two weeks after she's returned, um, they disappear. The, the biological parent and treasure, they just disappear. Phone numbers changed, addresses changed. They just like disappear off the face of the earth. We don't know where they are. We don't know if they're alive or anything. And uh, literally every night, my wife cried herself to sleep. She would, she would, um, you know, she'd pull up her phone and just scroll through pictures and just cry and cry until she went to sleep. So, you know, that... A month goes by and we don't know what's going on, and um, but we get a call because the agency want the the state wants to place another little girl with us, and everything in me wanted to say no, because we were still grieving. I mean, literally, it was grieving a death, and we were grieving that, but we knew we had been called to adopt, and so when the state called and said they had another placement, we said yes, um, and I think it was the next day. Um, Nine-month-old little Lizzie came into our house. This had to be a uh, a, a spark of of, of joy. It, it was, and Lizzie, from the minute she's coming to our house uh, until this day, is a bundle of energy. I mean, <laughs> more energy than I'll have in ten lifetimes. <laughs> so, so yeah, so so she comes in our home, and so now we're focused on her. About a month after she comes in, a social worker comes for a visit. And as the social worker is leaving, she says, oh, hey, you know that other little girl you used to have? Well, she's back in state's care in Indiana. And then she gets in her car and drives away. And <laughs> when you heard that, like, there's, I mean, you had no idea where Treasure was. Correct. All of a sudden, now you know she's still alive. She is in southern Indiana. And we got to find her. And there's a possibility we can see her again. Right. We got to find her. Then what did you do? We started making phone calls like crazy. And uh, our oldest daughter happened to be uh, at Country Lake, uh, being a camp counselor in Indiana. Right. So we call her and said, hey, can you see if anybody up there has any connection to the Indiana foster care system? Um, And as we were beginning to learn, God was going before us. Of course, there was somebody there in the Indiana foster care system that my daughter got in touch with, who got in touch with us, and that person connected us to a social worker in Indiana who then could take on the case. And so then you, you've, now you've got Lizzie, mm. who is nine, nine, months. nine months, you're getting reconnected to Treasure, who you didn't 
know what in the world had happened to her. And and then fast forward, what happens next? So it, it took a little while because now there's two states involved, right? Kentucky, Indiana. But uh, long story short is we get treasure back. Mm. And it was, oh, you, you talk about a rejoicing. Oh, my goodness. Um, Lori called me. And she said, um, hey, she's here. So I sped out of work, went speeding home, you know, threw open the front door. Just and when you said, oh, when God. she saw you, she came running and just gave me a big old hug, and I just bear hugged her, oh. and I just ooh, I cried and cried and cried, and just just held her as tight as I could hold her, and just oh, she's back, she's back. And so when you've got now you've got treasure, now you've got Lizzie. Ah, oh. yeah, God's God's grace. Uh at that time, Treasure would have been how old? Uh, she was about twenty months old. Twenty months, and Lizzie was about ten months. Okay, uh, maybe 10, you know, ten or eleven months. And how, how how did they interact with one another right off the bat? Uh, almost instantly, just loved each other. Oh, played together, and that was the know. first time they'd ever seen each other, right? Because yeah. mm-hmm. really, there was no overlap between Mm-mm. the two, right? No, no. Uh, so just best buds, and and to this day, best buds in everything. That is precious. So we're going to take a break and, and that, that was just two segments. And you think, man, that's enough. Like, right. Wh- wh- that's a full life. That's a, that's a lot of emotional roller coaster, but not There's done more. yet. There's more. <laughs> and when somebody thinks about it from a worldly perspective, they think, gosh, isn't this terrible, but isn't it amazing that during the quote unquote terrible, you see the goodness of God. And you're going to hear an even more amazing chapter of this story here when we take a break and come back for the next segment of Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Satter, talking with Dennis Brooks. And we want to thank our sponsors, Frank Enterprises. If you have water outside your home going where it's not supposed to go, drainage, septic issues, Frank Enterprises can help you in the Kentuckiana area. Uh, Dan Hart Financial, if you want to retire Talk about retirement or talk about what a biblical retirement looks like. Dan Hart can sit down and talk to you about that. And then Southern Smoke Catering, my favorite sponsor because they taste the best. They are a catering only uh, barbecue company. And for your weddings, events, uh, they are still in business and put some south in your mouth. SouthernSmokeCatering.com. So Dennis, okay, so now you got, it's all happy. Uh, You got the girls back, uh, treasures back. You got Lizzie. Um, how long did it take for adoption to take place? I think you said Lizzie was first. Yeah, Lizzie was first. Um, so, you know, she'd come to us at nine months of age. When she was three, we were able to adopt her. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, went through that process and, uh, Treasure's case was still ongoing, um, primarily because now there's two states involved instead of the one. Um, but Lizzie's uh, at three. She's adopted. Everything's great. They're, they're really, they're really finding this is home. This is mommy and daddy. This is yeah. family. Yeah, yeah. And 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 we felt like okay, God, we you know we knew adoption. We we were thinking one. Apparently, you were thinking two. Okay, <laughs> we're good. We're good with that. Um, and then you know about a year after Lizzie was adopted, my oldest daughter, who had moved out, she had graduated college, was living in Denver, Colorado. Um, you know, met a boy. 
you know how those things go. Decides, love. Yeah, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> decides to get married. And um, so we're all, we're taking the whole crew out to Colorado for a wedding. Lizzie and Treasure are going to be the flower girls. So we fly out there and immediately when we get off the plane, Lizzie just like is lifeless. It has to be carried everywhere. Doesn't, has no energy, which is not like Lizzie at all. Doesn't talk, doesn't want to do anything. And we just thought it was altitude sickness. So we go a couple of days. We're getting ready for the wedding at the rehearsal, which was on a Saturday. She perks up a little bit to be a flower girl. On Sunday of the wedding, she's great. She and Treasure are perfect little flower girls <laughs> at the reception. They're running and dancing and laughing and you just being what you would expect little four and five-year-old girls to, to do. So we're like, oh, okay, everything's fine. So Monday, we, we were going to stay two extra days, do some hiking. Monday, we drive up further into the mountains and Lizzie really becomes lifeless. Just, just won't do anything. Just, just lays there. Some of us go hiking. We finish. We come, but she doesn't. She and my wife stay in in the in the down below. We finish and we drive back down to the hotel. And when we get to the hotel, Lizzie actually throws up. And we're like, man, she she's really sick. Um, we go in the hotel. The next day, Tuesday is when we're supposed to fly back home. We had two separate rooms because we had so many people. So we had kind of a guy, we had the guy's room and the girl's room. So Tuesday morning, I text my wife and I was like, so how'd Lizzie do? And she goes, not good. She didn't sleep at all. She's running a fever. We need to take her to, to see somebody. Well, the flight was Tuesday afternoon. So I'm thinking, okay, well, we, we got enough time. We'll go to an urgent care. We'll get her checked out, get a little medicine, get on the airplane. We're good. So we go to the urgent care. Doctor does an exam. The doctor says, hey, I... I want to do an ultrasound. And my wife and I are thinking, because we had already self-diagnosed that Lizzie probably had appendicitis, right? We're like, okay, fine. So she does the ultrasound and the doctor, she comes back in the room a few minutes later and she goes, there's a mass on her kidney. And I think it's something called a Wilms tumor, which is malignant. And you need to make a decision about, do you want to deal with that now because she needs surgery or are you going to try to fly back home? And if you're going to fly back home, you need to make arrangements for her to see a pediatric oncologist immediately. And oh, by the way, this is two days before Thanksgiving. And I'm looking at my watch going, I don't think I understand what she just said. I'm supposed to be on an airplane with five kids in the next four hours. All of my stuff's at the hotel. Nothing's been packed. What did she say? Did she say a mass on her? What? So she explained again, hey, mass on the kidney. I'm pretty sure it's something called a Wilms tumor. It's malignant, and you need to deal with this now because she needs surgery. So my wife and I, you know, our heads are spinning. We're trying to figure out what to do. Ultimately, we decided to, we had three, three teenagers at the time, you know, get them in an Uber, get them back to the airport, get them on the plane, get them home. My oldest son, who was also living in Denver, had him go to the hotel, pick up treasure, bring her and meet us at the hospital. Um, and we take Lizzie from the urgent care straight to the hospital. They admit her. They, that night, they do a CT scan and, and discover that there's actually two tumors on her kidney. And there's a spot on her pelvic bone that they can't tell what that is. That could be another one. They're not sure. Um, so this is Tuesday before Thanksgiving. When, when, when you are finding all of this out, what is running through your mind and where are your emotions? 
you know, uh, so I've never been a boxer, but I, I imagine it's got to be what it feels like to just get body blow after body blow, right? I mean, you just, you're, it, honestly, at that point, we were in survival mode. It's just, what is the next thing I have to do? What is the next piece of information I have to process? I, I don't have time to do anything other than just what, what's that very next thing? Because it's too, it's too much. It's too overwhelming. And if I stop and think about it, I'll go completely apart. And I can't do that right now. I've got too many things that I've got to try to take care of. You got to hold it together here. I got to hold it together. I'm in control. I've got to stay in control. And I got to control the situation because it's dangerously close to being out of control. So then what? So uh, she gets admitted have the scans. Uh, it's two days before Thanksgiving. So they, they, uh, well, this, I guess Tuesday night. So Wednesday they can't do surgery because it's the day before they don't do surgery th- on Thanksgiving. So the day after Thanksgiving in Denver, Colorado, you're a thousand miles from home, thousand miles from home. My daughter, uh, has surgery to remove her kidney and two malignant tumors out of her kidney or her kidney and the two tumors that were in the kidney. We stay in the hospital for about a week while she recovers from that surgery. Um, and then about a week later, we f- have arrangements to fly back home. Before we left, they wanted to know what, how we were going to follow up. And, and they had made arrangements. Um, they had a contact at Cincinnati Children's where a pediatric oncologist who specializes in Wilms tumors is. So they had arranged to have us go and make connection with him. So we, we flew back and the very next day we were in this pediatric oncologist's office talking to him. He was kind of surprised because he said that he specializes in relapse tumor patients. And Lizzie was not a relapse tumor patient. She was a first time diagnosis, but he agreed to, to take her case and he starts laying out for us. Okay, here's what your treatment plan is going to look like. And um, it, it, at this point, they didn't know if it was stage two or stage three. So we weren't sure if there was going to be radiation or chemo only. Found out a little bit later, it was stage two. So it was chemo only and it was all outpatient. So we went through about seven months of treatment, outpatient chemo. Lizzie tolerated it great. You know, we just made weekly trips up and back to Cincinnati. And at the end of that seven months, her treatments were finished and she was declared cancer free. Um, but when you have that diagnosis, you still you have to go back every three months for checkups. So three months after she'd been declared cancer-free, we knew it was the time for her first checkup. Um, so we decided to take Treasure with us. We were going to stop by the hospital, get these scans, and then take the girls to the zoo and spend the day having a great day in Cincinnati. We go. She has a chest x-ray first. And then we're in the ultrasound room. And the doctor comes into the ultrasound room. And I remember thinking, because I used to work in healthcare, I remember thinking, wow, this guy's got great bedside manner. He came to find us. Found out later, if a doctor comes to find you, it's not good news. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. He came, he came in the room and he said, hey, on the chest x-ray, there's a spot on her lung. And with Wilms tumor, if it comes back, it almost always comes back in the lung. So I think there's been a relapse and we need more testing. So uh, he takes us back to the clinic. When you hear that, what what do you and your wife do? 
I, I, I've, I've never had that feeling in my stomach like when he said, it's come back. It's, it was, I mean, it's just like, there, there's no way. We were done with this. We've, we've we, been, we, 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 we fought this battle. This is over. This we, is no. seven months of treatment. She, she's, she's, she's good to go. Right. She's good to go. We, we, we're, we're supposed to be able to start living our life again. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. This, no. But, but then, you know, specialist after specialist after specialist starts coming in because with the relapse, there's going to be much more intense treatment and, uh, you know, radiation and hospital stays. And it, it was, it's going to start all over again, all over and much more intense. So we're going to take a break and uh, let everybody catch your breath. <laughs> and then we're going to come back and hear uh, where the story picks up from there. So we're going to take a break. Be back shortly here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and final segment of Solid Steps Radio. If you missed the first three, you missed a lot. Go to SoundCloud, iTunes, or our Facebook page. And just type in Solid Steps Radio. And you'll be able to hear commercial-free thanks to our great sponsors, Veritech Generators. If you need a generator for your home or your business, Veritech Generators can give you free estimates and repair. Or not free repair, but uh, uh, maintenance uh, schedules. Uh, Iroquois Family Dental. They have two locations in the Louisville area, one in the East End, one in the Iroquois Park area. They're a family-friendly dental office. Executive Elevators. If you want to stay in your home but you want to get around better, Executive Elevators can put an elevator lift in your home, and also the Southeast Outlook, who writes all the stories that God is writing in his kingdom, both locally and around the world. And speaking of great story, let's continue to hear this one. Yeah, and, and I want to say one more thing about uh, Iroquois. I just saw Dr. Eric Veal yesterday. He takes care of all my teeth. Just incredibly grateful for our sponsors, and uh, especially just want to say a shout out to Eric and for his team Taking care of me and my family for the last 20 plus years. So, Dennis, um, uh, you know, now you, you've got this horrible news. Yeah. Um, you, 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 seven months of treatment. You've been a three months kind of window of, hey, she's cancer free. And yeah. now the cancer is back. Cancer is back. And you. Yeah. And so that day is, mm. is the worst day of my life. Um we have to go in the clinic and specialist after specialist comes in to tell us what's going to happen now. Much more intense treatment. It's going to include radiation. We had to speak to a fertility specialist. We had to talk about inpatient stays and she's going to lose her hair. And I mean, at one point uh, after just all of this information, uh, I just lost it. I mean, I just put my head down and just started boohoo crying because I, I couldn't take it anymore. I mean, it was just too much to, to try to take in. Um, but you know, we finished all this conversation, her treatments are going to start the next day. We drive home and that night, my wife and I both, uh, separately, but really at the same time, we both just dropped to our knees and said, God, we, we give up. We can't, we give up control. This, this situation is, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's beyond what we were expecting. The burden is too much. The burden is too much. God help. And at that moment is when the peace of God that the Bible talks about flooded into my, to my whole body. It was, it was when I said, I give up control. I can't do this. That's when the peace came. Even though. 
even though we had no idea what the you outcome got, was going to be. You're just at the beginning yeah. of brutal yes. nine months of chemo, nine months of radiation treatment, and um, and there's no, there's no like, hey, no guarantee. That there's no make guarantees. Talk to us um, about after the nine months. Um, you, you go through this brutal nine months, and it, and it was it was very difficult. Very difficult. Yeah, it was very difficult. Um, let, let me before you talk about after the nine months, how did Lizzie do in that nine months? She was amazing. She maintained her energy for the most part. One time we were there was a, she had a hospital stay, and she knew the doctor was about to come in, so she got up out of the bed and was hiding behind the curtain. <laughs> and the doctor walks in and he looks at the bed and he's like where's my patient? And she jumps out from behind the curtain and goes, boo. And he kind of looks at her and he's like, this is not normally the way my patients act. <laughs> you know, they're normally in bed, can't move, don't do anything. And so she was just amazing throughout the whole time. Well, I got this picture of her. She's got her arms raised that you brought into the studio here. She's totally bald. She yeah. lost all her hair, yeah. but she is, her eyes are sparkling and she has got one big radiant smile we literally would go out into the hallways and kick soccer balls <laughs> and the nurses would come by and they're like are you sure she's in here are you sh- she's on the oncology floor are you sure she's yeah that she- but god just blessed her with just an unbelievable resiliency and strength during the, the whole time of the treatments so fast forward now nine months of all that treatment is over yeah. What do the doctors say and what's what's next? Yeah, so treatments were finished. She's declared cancer-free again. Um, and so we still are in the midst of every three months going back for scans and blood work. Um, it's been over a year. She continues to be cancer-free. Um, we'll continue the every three months for at least one more year. And then it'll move to six months and then eventually a year. But then she'll have to be checked for the rest of her life. Um, but she is over a year now of being cancer-free. And your prayers every night. Oh, God, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for healing my girl. And Lord, please keep her healthy. Yeah. Please. Yeah. You know, every breath that we have is a gift from above. And yep. every day is a gift. Um, Dennis, what are some lessons that you guys have learned in this um, fostering to adoption and, and then in the middle of all that you ad- were finally able to finally adopt able to adopt yep during, adopt the, during the relapse treatments we were able to adopt treasure so in the middle of more treatments treasure is adopted yep um, but share with our listeners uh, the lessons that God has really impressed upon your heart you know the biggest one for me was um, the peace of God comes when we give up control. And for me as a guy, I I wanted to control everything, right? Even though there was chaos surrounding me, diagnosis, adoption, foster, this, that, and the other, I was still trying to control all of it. And so the stress level was just, you know, going off the charts because the, the things that were stressing me were incredibly difficult to deal with. And it wasn't until I finally just relinquished control that, that God's peace came. And I still have today. Now, it doesn't mean my life is peaceful, right? But I have peace. 
We a lot of times we think to have peace, everything has to be in order. Everything has to be going our way. Everything needs to kind of line up, and that's not. That's not true. That's, that's not a biblical mm-hmm. framework. Nope. No, I mean, I, they're still they're still crazy in my life. <laughs> I still got crazy, um, but I have peace in my heart. Because I gave up control. When we give up control, that's uh, we are to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own wisdom, our own strength, our own experience, our own understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledge Him. Yeah, and and He'll direct our steps. He yeah. He will He'll help us. Yep. He's our strength and fortress. Yeah. You know, another thing we learn is is that God goes before us, mm. right? All the way back to the initial diagnosis in Colorado. I don't think I mentioned this, but the actually the urgent care doctor, the very first person to give us the diagnosis, her parents live in Kentucky. <laughs> the surgeon, that operator, used to work at the University of Kentucky. Getting to Dr. Geller, the pediatric oncologist, who only sees basically relapse Wilms tumor patients. Well, Lizzie ended up being a relapse Wilms tumor patient. God showed us time and time and time again how he goes before us and he is ahead of us so that we can trust. He's the all-knowing, all-powerful God and he's with us. Yeah. He's for us. Yeah. And he lives in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, give us uh, give us one more lesson and then I'm going to have you pray for us guys. Dennis. Carpe diem. See you today. You know, when, when Lizzie finished um, her first round of treatment, we had said, oh, we're going to have an end of chemo party. We're going to throw this party. Well, we got right back in the mode of, you know, got to go to soccer practice, got to go here, got to go there. And we didn't get around to planning that party. And then three months, go, you know, go up for that uh, checkup and the relapse happens. So we never got around to that end of cancer, uh, end of chemo party. So let me tell you, when the second round of chemo ended, mm-hmm. we had an end of chemo party, right? So seize the day, because we're not promised tomorrow. We're given today. You know, and the old saying is that's why it's called the present, because it's a gift. And and that's never been more true. And I, I totally understand that now. Yeah, I think that's why the psalmist in Psalm 90 Interestingly that you brought that up because I, I just read this last night. Psalm 90 says, Lord, teach us to number our days. Mm. Yes. That we may live a life of wisdom. Mm. Because James says life is a vapor. Mm-hmm. We we have no guarantees mm-hmm. for tomorrow. But we have today. Yep. And we are to use today for his honor and for his glory. Dennis, thank you so much for coming. Thanks thank you, for sharing your story. God bless you. Thank you. Uh, would you pray for us guys? Absolutely. Please. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Father God, uh, Lord, you are the God of the universe. You are the God who is in control. Uh, and God, teach us as men, teach us as men to relinquish control to you. That's so hard, God. It's so hard because because we're men. We want to control things. So forgive us, Father. Forgive me for trying to take back control. Even now, those times that I try to take back control, forgive me, Father. Let us relinquish control to you. May you guide and direct our steps. Give us the energy and the strength to seize the day and to do what you've put before us today. All for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Dennis. So you've heard a 
quite a story. And again, the author of the story is what we hope you see and heard in the chapter that they have been living through. And you know what? It's funny. I was thinking about this, that our show was going to, this was the first show we were going to do before COVID hit. This was the last show we were going to do before COVID hit. So we've been going now months sitting on this story and you just never know about the timing of things. God has a time and he has a plan and it involves Jesus in your life. Where are you in that timeline? So thank you for listening. Pass this along to someone else who may want to hear. And we appreciate you listening to Solid Steps Radio.